Hi, welcome to our brief of Present Over Perfect by Shauna Nequist. Brief one, who is Shauna Nequist? Well, just an introduction to the author. She's a wife, a mother of a couple of young boys. She's a writer of four books, the daughter of a pastor, the wife of a worship leader, and a child of God who's growing in her walk. The main points in her books are that we need to learn to be still and to do less, and that we need to remember to care for ourselves, and that third, we need to remember to guard the center. If I were to say what the key verses are in this book, I would say, pick two, Job 37 and 6. God says to the snow, fall on the earth and the rain shower, be a mighty downpour. And so by that, what am I saying? What is she saying? Be yourself. Be the self that you were designed to be by God. He doesn't tell the snow to be rain, to melt and be rain. He doesn't tell the rain to be snow. But he tells each to be what they are. And he made them to be one thing, one simple thing, not a hundred things or a million things. The other thing would be, you can find it in Mark 8.36 or also in Matthew For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? The idea here is that you got to focus on the soul. Brief two. How does she get us there? Well, what she does is she shares her problems, her issues, her challenges to living life. And it's rather interesting. She's very honest and open in this. And first, there's a self-loathing at the core that she talks about. Second, she talks about a desire to be admired, which is fueled basically by being an achiever, a person who gets it done. And somewhat the emptiness of that for her, that a challenge for her is her life is too busy, too stressed, too innervating. And then the next section of the book, what I would say she does is she takes us on a journey where she shares the learnings that she's acquiring as she tries to make a change in her life to simplify it to pare it down to its essentials. And then at the end, she shares where she is, you know, at that moment, which is a place of peace and settledness. And I'd say that she's like a tree, you know, that's settled, that's planted, that's able to bring forth fruit in this season. And what she does is she shows us some of the things, some of the parts of the journey. It's not always straightforward, Uh, Very different because there's a lot of emotion in the book. So very different than the kind of books I usually read. So brief three, what are the key takeaways? Well, I would say the key takeaways are these. That first, you have to learn to put on your own oxygen mask first. You know how when you're on a plane and they tell you if something happens and those oxygen masks drop down, put your own oxygen mask on first before you try to put one on your child or someone who needs assistance. Because the point they're making is you can't help anybody if you're not in a position to help them. If you don't have the strength that you need to be able to help, then you know it's in vain for you to try to help someone else. And the point Shauna is making in this book is that self-care is essential. Um, You've got to take care of yourself to be in a position to do the caring, to do the taking care of others, to do the things that um, people are asked to do. She's got a story in there about pajamas as part of her journey to learning how to take care of herself. And what it is, is it's taken from another uh, book, the who a lady who uh, wrote a book and 
and talked about the importance of sleep. And one of the things that that lady said was that you need to put your pajamas on. Why? Because it, your body listens to what you wear. So you put pajamas on to tell your body that now it's time for sleep. To get your body in the habit of understanding that you, you're trying to take care of that essential need, you know, sleep. And then another thing I felt was key that she said to that in that respect, putting on your own oxygen mask to me implies also that you know what your oxygen mask is, because there's some things that give you life that I would say probably don't give me life and vice versa. Um, But you've got to be what God made you to be. And as you be what God made you to be, as you do those things that you were designed to do, then those things are going to be things that give you energy. Second thing I would say is you have to get to the core things first. So she depicts life as sort of circles of varying degrees of closeness and varying degrees of importance slash priorities. At the center of the circle, I would say, is Jesus and you. It's a little different than the way she frames it, but I'm springboarding off of some of what she said. And so the first thing there is, um, you know, there's your relationship with God. Pray as though Jesus is in the room in the flesh with you. Picture him there and that you're talking to him and having a conversation with him. And second, incorporate stillness into your prayer. Remember, God said, be still and know that I'm God. And so give him time to speak to you, time to listen to him, time to be with him. The Lexio Divina, which is that praying through scripture that we talked about. Some of these things in the book, the brief, learning to pray. And that the next part of the circle is you and your family, right after Jesus and you, I would say. And this is giving them the time that they need and that they deserve. And then I think thinking about life as a set of experiences, you know, being there, which is one of the reasons I think she titled the book Present Over Perfect. Are you there? Right. Don't have the everything all folded and all clean and neat necessarily uh, while taking away time from those that you love. And then at the third level of circle would be friends. And then the fourth circle would be acquaintances. And so the point is to make sure that those inner circles are being properly tended to. Other key takeaways in the book are you have to learn to say no to more activities in the outer circles in favor of the inner circles. And there's pain in doing this. There's a fear of disappointing people, of not being that perfect person, that perfect achiever that was giving her, that she felt was going to give her what she was looking for, but indeed did not. And then in all that busyness, are you really using that busyness as an anesthetic to avoid feeling hurt, pain, disappointment? Another key takeaway from it, are you doing the things you loved when you were a child or adolescent? Are you being the snow, the rain? By that I mean, are you doing the things, the one thing that God really designed you to do? He said to the snow, fall. You know, and God said to the snow, fall. And he said to the rain, be a mighty downpour. Are you doing that? Are you being a mighty downpour? Are you falling as God would have you to fall? Are you doing the one thing that God really made you to be and to do? I would also say that Miss Nequist's inner life is more complex, certainly, than, than mine. And she's writing the book thinking about a, a female audience, which is basically what she says. And I would say that in some ways, 
it seems to me her life is more complex than 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 uh, me and at least than me. So there's a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling, and that she's expressing and processing that you know just doesn't happen with me. And it may be that men need to spend more time examining these things. You know, how do we really feel as opposed to sort of being an economic engine, a defender, a warrior? You know, which tend to be the roles that we are nurtured to be as men. But there may be some value to finding these inner wounds and fixing them before they get out of control. Brief five. What would I say in terms of things I would add to the book slash springboard from the book to make additional comments about? Well, some of the things that I would add to it that I think would be beneficial would be an emphasis on doing and being where God wants you to be. I think, you know, always at the center of everything is, you know, if you're the rain even or the snow, you've got to fall where God wants you to fall. And that implies that you've got to get to the point in your life where you're really in tune with God. Because at the end of the day, it's not really about us. It's really about him. And so I would say, you know, we've got to learn to know what it is that he's looking for. And we've got to learn to recognize his voice, how he speaks to us, how he speaks in our life, which is different for each and every one of us. And then I would say uh, that I've learned over time that in terms of this saying no and, and our validation, being simply straightforward is what works best. At least it's what works best for me. I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, there's a guy who asked me to, to do some work for me, and I simply told him no. You know, it's just like that. No, I don't need it. Don't want it. That was it. That may be a little painful at first, but that pretty much ends it, you know, closes the door. In another occasion, I tried to take the approach of a friend of mine who tries, he usually works to soften the blow, which is not my approach. Uh, my approach is just more to give it to you straight up front and, uh, you know, move on from there. But in this particular instance, there was a, he was doing something related to a church. And from my perspective, it'd be a great thing to help out. And the Lord allowed me to do it, to help him out for a time. I wanted it to be a long-term assignment and thought that it would be. It made so much sense because, you know, it, so many things would fit together if that were the case. But the Lord soon showed me that that was not his plan. And so I had, however, taken the approach with my friend of, taking more his approach when it's when the time came to eject from this particular assignment. And I didn't just tell him, you know, no, this is it or whatever. I tried to soften the blow and it didn't work out well. God made it very clear to me that he didn't, didn't want me there doing that anymore. And uh, so I had to move on, but I think I left behind more hurt feelings than I needed to have because I just wasn't straightforward, which may be more painful up front. But over the long term, I think it's less painful. The other thing that I would add to it is that when you are able to give, then, you know, when you're able to get and receive from God, when you get yourself to that point, then God does want you to pass it on. But when you're doing it right, you'll be constantly replenished. You know, it's like the woman at the well where he said, I'm going to give you water that you're never going to run out of. And he said that he's, you know, the Holy Spirit, he, we have basically wells that flow through us, you know, that never run dry. And so as an example, think about the widow and Elijah, the widow of Zarephath. 
What she had to do was she had something to give, but it was all that she had. And the Lord required that she give that, that, that piece of meal and uh, that she give it to Elijah. But when she did that meal and that oil from the jar, God allowed that oil and that meal to be replenished on a continual basis over some period close to three years. And so it is with us that when we give, as we give, God gives us just in time what we need to continue on by his grace and by his mercy. So there is an ability to give to others as well what has been given to us. The key here is to make sure what God is giving to us and what God is asking us to do. Brief six, what will I try to incorporate into my life? Well, I think it's a little different for guys because we're trained to be warriors. And Shauna is stating that women are trained to take care of others to the detriment of self. Uh, there's a, a guy that I know who was a fireman, and I actually was looking for a moving company, and I found this company called Firehouse Movers. And so the guy was a very dedicated guy. He would get up early in the morning you know, to attend to this moving business that he'd started on the side in addition to being a, a fireman. And he told me about his son, one of whom was training to be a doctor. And, you know, he was getting up at four in the morning so that he could carry on both of these two jobs. And he, what the, the comment that he made that stuck with me was he said, somebody's got to be the mule. And, you know, we guys, we think of ourselves as the mule, i.e. somebody's got to do the dirty work, the hard work, you know, to keep things going don't necessarily need folks to tell us what a great thing we're doing and all that, but somebody's got to do that work. Um, and so I think that, you know, when we're trained, of course, to suppress emotions, to be that warrior and the like. So um, I, I think, but her emphasis on simplicity and doing less and doing those things that you do do better, that's something that all of us can apply, whether male or female. I think second, her emphasis on Resting, you know, eating well, self-care, exercise. What I would group those together under the rubric of would be things that energize us, things that give us energy. You know, you want to do that. You want to put an emphasis on that, in my opinion, versus time management. And then another thing would be remembering that we don't really live to work, but rather we're working to live. And so let's not neglect God, our family, our friends, our relationships but put those at the top of the list because that's the whole point of the things that we do. It's easy, at least for guys, I believe, to get that twisted. Hope you got something beneficial out of this. Talk again soon. Thanks for listening. Hi, thank you for listening to this brief. We have plenty more at christianbrief.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-B-R-I-E-F.com. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and hope you check out some of the other briefs at christianbrief.com.